When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, everyone. Today, I have Dr. Daryl Johnson. Dr. Daryl, affectionately known as your favorite couples therapist, is a licensed professional counselor and psychologist in the Washington, D.C. area. Dr. Daryl helps her clients break through the obstacles that seem to be holding them back in their relationships. She specializes in guiding singles and couples toward healthy romantic relationships. Dr. Daryl recently released her first book entitled Love and Other Stuff, the No Bullshit Guide to Relationships When Love Isn't Enough, and it's linked within the show notes today. In today's episode, we will talk about the common relationship challenges that parents face and how to deal with them, the most common issues that Dr. Daryl sees within her practice, tips for couples on keeping their spark, and more. Let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode, this podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hello, Dr. Daryl. We are excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for taking the time. We finally connected. I'm excited to have you. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much. The topic today is going to be about, you know, keeping that spark alive in your relationship. And I know we have a lot of listeners here that are mothers. And so I can attest to the fact that it is so hard to kind of balance that relationship once you have children because your attention shifts focus and it can be really difficult and kind of my personal opinion like I don't know and maybe you can kind of weigh in this Dr. Daryl but I from like all the moms I talk to like all my friends they're all like you know our focus so much of the time is on the kids and we're always like we need to focus more on like the like our partners because like this is who made the children right and like maintaining a good relationship with that person is always going to be really important for them to see and and us for us to be modeling that but it's very hard like you always fall back into putting the kids first like just as a mom like that's what i'm always doing i'm always like trying you know i'm putting them first and then i'm like always second guessing myself and being like okay no like i really need to be putting our relationship first that's really important you know and and modeling that behavior but it gets really really hard uh, the second you become a mother you know and then from at least with my husband, his perspective is always like, no, honey, you're first. And then, you know, the kid, you know, like, like I'm always thinking about your needs. And then we're thinking about the kids, like you're most important. We made these children, like we want to model this great relationship for them. And, and it's so true. You know, I don't know if you want to kind of like weigh in on that really quick, but. 
Yeah, for sure. Like I can attest to that. My son is two and that was definitely a learning curve for me and my partner. You know, of course we could read all the things we could know all the things. I mean, I am a couples therapist and sometimes he'll listen to me, (laughs) but it was, it's totally different when you're going through it and you've been through it four times (laughs) and, you know, just having a two-year-old, like it is a lot, right? So you're just trying to keep this little human alive, trying to stay sane and juggle all the balls, right? Like having, you're just, just juggling all day, every day. We kind of carry this mother load, so to speak, of just thinking about all the things. I've seen tons of like TikToks and different reels about this, but kind of like the daily life of a mom, right? Like we think of all the things all day. You know, if we're working, we're thinking about home, vice versa. We're just doing everything. And that leaves very little to no time for our partner, for ourselves, for our tribe, our support system, we sometimes just, you know, come home or spend all our day with the kids or doing something for the house. And by the time everyone sleep or kind of chill out for the evening, we're exhausted. And a lot of people will say, oh, like, wait till the kids go to sleep. You do this, you do that. But you're exhausted by then. <laughs> so it is very difficult to balance things. However, with intentionality, and purposefulness, we can have some kind of resemblance of balance. It may not feel balanced because something's going to have to give, right? But just like you guys, you know, took advantage of the older kids kind of being out the house and you just had the baby and you guys went for, you know, you guys went out just for a little bit. That's being intentional, even though, you know, you had a kid with you at least you had some kind of, you know, downtime and togetherness. And something that I actually encourage my clients, my couples to do is to monthly have your scheduled me time, we time and family time. And just because we're in the house all at the same time does not mean that is quality time. Because one is on their tablet, I'm on my phone, the other one's, you know, watching TV, whatever it is, it's not quality time. We actually need to be more intentional about pinning those things in, not just penciling them in, because they need to be a staple. And so if every other Saturday I do my own thing for two or three hours or whatever, and every other Saturday he'll have his few hours. And then, you know, maybe every Sunday we'll do family, whatever that looks like. And it could shift and it could change week to week or month to month. Being intentional about that because it is very easy to kind of not just lose yourself, but lose the spark a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So to get that back, to for it to be sustainable, we have to focus and actually do, not just try, but do. Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to add to that front part that you, where you were, you know, talking about like everything kind of inevitably falls to us. I was talking with I maybe might have been a guest on my podcast recently, but in the last two years, gosh, I 
like I feel for so many mothers because I feel like so much of the weight has been dropped onto them. And many of them have had to like, you know, just leave their jobs because of childcare situations and kids not being in school and just how incredibly hard that is just emotionally and financially and, and all of that on top of everything else. So have you seen like, at least in your practice, like, have you seen that the last two years have been like, there's been more of an influx of like the need for couples therapy? Have you seen that? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. In general therapy in general, individual therapy, but for sure couples therapy. And I would say a few things could um, contribute to that. You know, there's the pandemic where at least in the beginning of the pandemic, a lot more people were just at home and on top of each other for the most part. And even if someone or both partners were essential workers, it was still very little time to or space to do anything else other than just work. So with that, with kind of just being on top of each other, spending 24-7 together, from just having that downtime really to like sit still, you know, like sit with the uncomfortableness and the not so great parts about your relationship. Because when we're out and about and, you know, I have this work meeting to go to, or I'm hanging out with friends, I'm doing this, you're doing that. We can get away with a lot with not addressing a lot of things, not having the conversations we need to have, not even sitting with ourselves, right? Not, you know, just sitting with those feelings and those thoughts. So when we had to, when every single person for the most part on the planet had to sit still for a little bit, some things were coming to the surface and it was really uncomfortable for a lot of people. And so I did see a a huge influx in therapy in relationships, period, whether I saw the couple or just one partner, because that's a big thing too, you know? Some partners aren't willing to go to couples therapy. So that just leaves that one person just seeking individual therapy for their relationship. Now, I have a question about that. Like, do you, have you found in, in, in your practice that when that's the case, right? When, when one person in the relationship is willing to go to therapy and, and try to seek help, that it's less successful because the other partner's not willing to? I think it's it's still effective. It is still effective, but of course it'll be more effective with both people on board. But I always encourage people to still seek therapy, even if your partner is not ready or willing to, for several reasons, right? It could be the stigma, it could be, well, we're just not that bad, right? That might for you know, that might be for your friend, you know, Jennifer and her husband, but that they're they're horrible right? Like they're doing bad. They're about to get a divorce, but that's not us. We're fine. Right. Or you can go because you're the one with the issue. It could be a whole lot of things, but it's change and shifts can still, can still happen. Right. And it could just take focusing on your role and it's not to blame or point fingers, but we all have our role. Everyone has a role in their relationship. And focusing on what is my role, what am I contributing, and how can I kind of, not necessarily fix, but how can I not contribute in such a negative way, right? Because we can get triggered by one another and, you know, I could be feeling this way because you made me feel that way. So 
you know, that kind of keeps the, the cycle going. And so when you know what to focus on, you can still make these shifts because either A, they will fall in line and maybe want to hop on board. Like, oh, wow, like you're not responding like you used to. Maybe I need to see a therapist or maybe maybe I can join in. Let me let me see what your, your therapist is talking about. Or I still don't want to go, but what was that about that you just did, right? That kind of calmed me down and you didn't get upset like you usually do. So change yeah, can sense. still happen. It might be a little slower or it might feel like you're the only one doing the work and that could be another pattern and maladaptive pattern and cycle in your relationship, but change can still happen. And at the very least, you can learn how to manage the difficulties in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So I'm interested to hear from you, like what are the common challenges that you see with the parents that you counsel? Like how, and, and how do you tell them to deal with these certain things that you're seeing that are, that are most frequent? Yeah. So I, Actually, the getting someone to come to therapy, <laughs> that's one of the, the biggest things. The other one is communication. Everyone will come in and say, yeah, like we just need to work on communication, but not knowing that it is way more complicated. It's way more layered than just how we talk to each other, right? It is about what is influencing our communication, what's our stuff, our baggage that we're both bringing because we all see things out of our own lens, right? We all have these lenses that we're looking out of. And depending on our perspective, our worldview, all of that determines how we interpret what you're saying and how I'm saying it. So while communication is very important, it is just very layered. And that is one of the biggest, biggest things that so many people come to, to therapy for to work on in their relationship. And when people say communication, is it like they don't they don't feel like they're um, like openly communicating on on like everyday things or like what is like I'm just curious as to like I mean obviously every couple is going to be different, but because I, I think I I mean I agree I feel like a lot of couples are like well I just need to be talking to them more about like what's bothering me or about you know X Y and Z. And that sort of thing. But it's like, like, what do you think about that? Like when it comes to like openly communicating, like on a daily basis, like if, I don't know, if your partner does something every day that irritates the shit out of you, (laughs) like it's one of those things. So I've, I've learned kind of over the years that there are most definitely little irritating things, but I've just kind of like given up on those because they're not super important like anymore. You know what I mean? Like in the big picture of things. So I don't really openly communicate those things anymore. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I like pick and choose because I feel like, like, I don't know. I don't want to be nitpicked all day, even though I could be like, I'm not a perfect person, but I certainly don't need like that open communication about like every little thing that's like bothering you about me all day long. Just the things that actually matter type of thing. You yeah, know what I mean? no, and you're absolutely right. So some people may refer to that as like kind of like picking your battles, but I think that's a smart strategy because, and I love um, the Gottman Institute, uh, John and Julie Gottman. They are they they, they have just amazing resources and, and research, and they say that seventy percent of all relationship issues are not resolvable. 
So I was oh, asking couples, is this the 70% that's actually not going to be resolved? Or does this fall into the 30% where maybe we could get somewhere? And when they look at it in that way, when we put numbers to it, we're like, 70%? Well, that's, that's actually pretty, that's closer to 100 than I thought. That's a lot. And that really puts it into perspective. Like, how much should this weigh right now? And and another tip that I always encourage them to, to do is just think about what I'm about to say. Is this going to matter? How are they going to receive this or interpret it? What's my point? Just like you were, just like you were saying, you know, like sometimes you don't bring up or you no longer bring up the small things anymore. It's that process of just thinking and considering. If I say this, what's the point? And what would it matter? Right. Like, where are we going to go from there? Am I, you know, like, yeah, I like <laughs> the whole like leaving clothes around the house. I'm like, I'm like, I don't care. And now I have four kids that do the same thing. So I'm like, I definitely don't care. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're just going to drive yourself crazy. <laughs> exactly. So I'm curious with that stat that you said with the 70% of the 70% of the things at are not actually changeable. Like, what does that include? Like, just like behaviors and things? Like, what is that? Anything, anything. And any anything, any issue, any topic, anything that comes up in your relationship, it could fall into either of those baskets. And it depends on the couple. If you have a non-negotiable, should that even be considered for that 70%? If that's really a non-negotiable. Mm, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right. So if it's something that we really, truly, truly have to reach some kind of compromise on, then it's worth talking about. And a way to evaluate if something like it's levels, right? It's just not so black and white as far as our boundaries or our needs or our wants. One way to kind of get people to start thinking is in terms of our expectations and our needs is kind of like a stoplight. We have our green, yellow, red, right? Green is all, all is good. These things are okay. I have no problem with them. The yellow is, "Mm, okay, we need to slow down. We need to actually consider some things. Red, that's where the non-negotiables, the absolutes, you have one time, to do this, or we have just one time to disagree on it and that's it. And when we think about it in that sense of, okay, so we have this kind of red light or red flag, the consequence of that is what? Is it that you would be unhappy? Is it that we would break up, separate? What is the outcome of that? Because that's where, like, that's the no-no zone. We're not going there. So when we think about it in that way, where it's levels to it, we kind of get out of that black and white thinking. Oh, if this happens, that's it, right? Some people say uh, a non-negotiable for them is is infidelity. Well, when you find yourself in that situation, you're you're reconsidering, right? It's not just so black and white. And so it's very important to consider things in that level and really process it for yourself because... You can be expressive and you could have your partner in on your thought process, but welcome them and not have them fear that, right? Of of being attacked or 
belittled or anything like that, have them in. And, and that's a, a form of vulnerability too. If I'm going to bring you into this, I'm unsure, but I still want to keep you abreast of what I'm thinking. And maybe you could help me with this. But definitely that that inner clarity is so important to be able to have so that you can express yourself and have that open and honest communication with your partner. Because you have to know what you're talking about in order to get them to understand and hear you and validate you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think sometimes <laughs> we like aren't even sure like what battles we're picking and choosing, you know, like and and like actually sitting down and thinking about it like in the way that you just described is is probably not how many of us think about those, you know, those little things that were the battles that we're fighting every day, you know. What are some of the issues that most people come to see you for? Other than Let's see. Other than communication, I would say I've had a few couples come to me to try to figure out if staying together is a good idea, if working on it is even, you know, a thing for them, and also to work through some of the past hurts because what's keeping some couples from moving forward and kind of like thriving and flourishing is one or both partners being tied to the past of some sort, whatever that means for them, whether it's you hurt me five years ago, 10 years ago, I can't let that go. I'm holding on to it. Right. Or, you know, something has happened and I just can't let go. I don't like my in-laws. I cannot let that go. You're going to suffer for that. You know, whatever it is, something is holding them back from really growing together and meeting each other's needs. Sometimes couples are together for so long, they think that that equates. You're supposed to know. You're supposed to know how I want and need things to be. And just because you've been together for so long doesn't mean that miraculously turn into a mind reader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so funny that you say that because my, like, this happens frequently where I like, I have this whole, like, the way the day is going to like plan out in my head. Right. But I never share that with him. And then, I get mad and then he's like, I'm, I'm sorry. Did I miss the memo on this? And I'm like, yes, you did. It's in my head. I didn't share it. (laughs) I'm just expecting that, you know, exactly what I'm thinking and how I expected this all to go down, you know, but yeah, no, it's sorry. I just, that's like totally something that I like see us doing Yeah, (laughs) at least me doing. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, do you have any other, like anything you want to add to like the first part of this conversation? I have some really awesome thought-provoking questions from my community for you. So we can jump into those, but I don't know if you had anything you wanted to like add to this first part of the... You know, let's hop right on in. Okay. So the first one says, best things to do daily, weekly, and monthly to, f- to foster physical, emotional intimacy and strengthen our overall connection. So I think like, you know, what are some things that you could would say to your couple that they could be doing, you know, on a daily basis, a weekly basis and a monthly basis that can kind of strengthen their physical um, and emotional intimacy? Oh my gosh. I love this question. Isn't this so good? I know. It's so good. Yes. I love it because a lot of people, when they think of intimacy, they think of sex. 
but really like there's levels to it. And actually I really like this question because I actually talk about the, the levels of intimacy and my upcoming online course. Be on the lookout for that. everyone. I cannot wait to open the door set, but emotional intimacy is so important because in my opinion, I do think that that is the foundation to your relationship. Like it's like the intimate, like closeness and all of that. So I, one thing that I I do now, I already do it. I encourage my couples to have a weekly check-in and I give them a set of questions. I think it might be about 11 or 12 questions and it asks things on, you know, along the lines of how was our friendship? You know, how was our ability to have fun this past week? Is it anything that we could or that I could do better? You know, did you feel heard and seen and validated last year, last week? Did you feel loved? If not, what can I do better? And it touches on a lot of different areas, but really the whole point of this sit down weekly conversation is to build that emotional intimacy and connection and Mm. both agree to have this emotional safeness. Like if we can't talk about this any other day of the week, I know that the every Sunday at two o'clock that we agreed to have our relationship state of the union, I know that I can express it there. I know that he's ready or she's ready to hear it because we both agreed and committed to this is our safe space. I say weekly, you have that check-in and that's a little lengthy. Like I said, it might be about 11 or 12 questions that I have written out for my, for my couples. So on average, it probably takes most of my couples, probably about 45 minutes to an hour to do it. And just like you would prepare for a business meeting, I encourage them to throughout the week, kind of take notes, right? So you have the, the questions kind of in your head, you're referencing them and you're kind of reflecting on every evening. I'm going to go down my list, which ones are relevant for today that I can answer. Boom. Okay. So by Sunday, when we're going to sit down and have our meeting. I can accurately, you know, answer these questions as opposed to, oh, I don't know, I guess, like, you're fine. I don't know. Or going off of memory. And of course, our memory can be misleading. And we can go off of our emotion in that moment. Because you just made me mad. So you're screwing up everything. You can't do anything, you know, and that's (laughs) going to be the tone of our meeting. So weekly to do that. Daily, I would say just a quick check in with one another. You know, most likely in the evening, as your whole day has kind of just happened, kind of check in, maybe around dinner time as things kind of wind down. And you ask like maybe like two or three major questions, nothing major, nothing too heavy, but you're still checking in and saying, How was your day overall? What could have happened in order to make it better? For you personally, you're checking in with the, just that person. And then you, the second or third question, it could be something related to the relationship, right? What was something that you liked that I did today? Or even just kind of fessing up like, hey, sorry, babe, I was so busy today. I did not have, you know, I did not give you the time and attention that you needed. You know, my week looks like this, but I will prioritize us and you tomorrow, something along those lines. So you're focusing on, you know, individually and couple stuff, but nothing too heavy because again, you're reserving a lot of stuff for your sit down. 
your weekly sit down, but daily just to check in with one another. And that could be, like I said, in the evening or maybe a text or two or a conversation here and there throughout the day. But I recommend the daily and weekly. And then of course, the monthly, as I talked about before, just having that me, we and family time. Yeah, I think that's great. I wanted to mention, I love the idea of, you know, you have those like 10 to 12 questions. I randomly got these, they're intimacy cards, like emotional intimacy cards for Christmas and put them in a stocking. And I believe it was like one of my friends who had told me about them. And, you know, they have all different kinds of questions. And it's crazy because like, like I said, when you have kids, you know, you do all these types of conversations and you, like uh, when you don't have kids, you know, the second you kind of introduce introduce them, it it kind of like all goes to the side and you don't like have those conversations about you have conversations every day, t- you know, day to day about your job or about, you know, something that happened at school with the kids or daycare or what have you. But there's no like deep like connection happening. And so those cards, so we were, we were on a a roll where we would do one question a night and it was like, you know, it's a deep question. So we would spend like 15 minutes answering this one question, each of us. And it's just really interesting because some of these are like things you've never talked about, you know, ever. And it's just kind of a, a way to kind of like deeper the connection, deepen the connection. Um, and it can be really interesting, you know, and I, I can't remember if this is like an actual t- statistic or not. It's probably not. But and I'm, you know, everybody functions in different ways and everybody has their own love language. But I think it was in the book, The Female Brain. I don't know if you've ever read that, but it was really fascinating to see how our brains function compared to a male's brain, like just the like hormones and the way things are set up and all that. But it was saying that a lot of females will, the way that they want to connect is emotional intimacy, whereas a male, the way that they, the way that they first connect. So in other words, like if I don't feel emotionally connected to you, I don't want to go down the sexual connection route. Whereas the male really wants to feel that sexual intimacy before they have that emotional intimacy. And so that's where it can get really difficult because we're both wanting one thing first. So if you're not doing both those things, it's Mm -hmm. like, it's off kilter. And, you know, I, again, I don't know exactly like what the, you know, statistics or research exactly is, is on that, but I had read it once and it just made a lot of sense to me. And of course, like I said, everybody's different, you know, um, You know, it somebody does make could, a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. And and with your love languages like that, and I think there's actually a question about that in here. Okay, let's do that question next. So this question is, my partner and I seem to have different lo- love languages. Do you have any tips on getting him to understand what I need more of? Mm, yes, I love that question too. These are, I love your followers. They're so <laughs> um, I, I really do like using the love languages quiz and information because it allows us to understand how our partner wants to be loved on. We grew up with the saying, you know, treat others how you want to be treated, but not in this case. We need to treat our partner how they want to be treated. So if I'm quality time, but your physical touch, if I'm just sitting there staring you in my, you know, staring you in your face all day because I think it's quality time, you won't look at me like I'm crazy because you're like <laughs> What this is she, like, right? Like, what is she doing? Like, I, this is not this is not what I right? like. But I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm an amazing partner because <laughs> I'm doing what you know what, what I would want to be doing. No, we have to understand 
how our partner wants to be loved. So um, step one is taking the quiz, the five love languages. I think it's five love languages quiz.com or something like that. But take the quiz. The book has a lot of insights and share the results with your partner. They have the, the actual website has tons of information. They even have other types of quizzes too. They have them for like children, teens, men. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know they had it for for kids. Yeah. Mm, I like that. It's really cool. And they have a free app called Love Nudge. I am not affiliated with them, but (laughs) I actually use the I actually use the app or I have used it because anything that I come across that I think would be a good a good resource for my clients, I always like to test it out. So my partner's like, another app? I'm like, yes, download it and like it or don't like it. Let me know what you think. <laughs> and <laughs> this one, th- this one's fun. Th- this one's more of the fun one because of course you take the, the quiz and it gives you your percentages of where you land. But what's really, really helpful about the Love Nudge app is that it gives both of you guys an opportunity to rate each other. I'm going to say it's weekly. So you'll rate each other. How basically like, how have I been doing? right? With filling up your love tank and what can I do to improve kind of thing. And it also gives both partners ideas on, okay, so your husband's um, love language is, you know, his primary one that he ranks the most in is, what is it? Quality time, whatever it is, or words of affirmation. So here, here are some ideas for that. Here's what you can do. So you don't have to like just come up with it. And a lot of times, like we were talking about earlier, we have to know what we need and how to communicate that to our partner. Sometimes we don't always have the language for that, or we just don't know, right? Like, okay, this test told me that I was, you know, that I like words of affirmation, but yeah, I guess, but I don't have any ideas for you. Just tell me that I'm great. (laughs) So it gives you ideas, which I like. So that could be a really good first step. I like it for the simple fact that it's like, a third party, right? So it like removes that, like, that, like, I'm telling you what to do, or, you know, what have you, it's like, oh, well, the app is telling me this, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, sometimes that's kind of all you need is like that media, it's almost like a little mediator. You know what I mean? Oh, that's really interesting. Like, I kind of want to like, try, we've never actually taken the quiz. We've both read the book, like years and years and years ago. And like, we have two completely like our love languages couldn't be more opposite. Like mine is active acts of service. And his is physical touch. (laughs) So they're like, yeah, I'm like constantly doing a million things. And I'm like, well, look at the house. I took care of all the kids. I'm like making dinner. I'm and he's like, I don't care. Like, not that you know what I mean? Like, obviously, he cares. But you know what I mean? Like, he's like, yeah, but I haven't had a hug, you know? So yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's that's really that's a really cool thing. Okay, let's see here. Do you have any at home date ideas? So like, you have kids, you put them to bed, you you just can't get a babysitter, you don't have one, can't afford one, whatever it is. Like, do you have any at home date ideas? Yes, that's a good one too. I love the idea of just like a little picnic. Like you, you have your little picnic on the floor wherever you are. If it's a small apartment or a bigger home, wherever you can just sit down, have a little sheet or a blanket out and literally don't have you know, no TV, just completely unplug and eat your favorite meal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cook and, it together even. Yep, even have like a later, later dinner. Mm-hmm. 
Yep, exactly. Cook it together, do something fun, or just curl up and watch a really good movie. I know a lot of movies are coming back into the movie theaters, but a lot that you could still find like new ones on like the different apps that we have, Hulu, oh gosh, like Amazon and all that. So yeah, like find a good movie. And uh, there's also, oh gosh, what is it? It's like the the sip and paint, you know, like those sip and paint. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they have like kits. So you can have your favorite drink, alcohol or not, and, you know, just get something to do, right? Like get something to paint or do something with your hands, do something creative that you both like or that you would be into. I think it's about being creative. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And one thing I'll add in there too, I, which we haven't done yet. So, but I like got a couple of like games, like new game, like games yeah. we've never played before, like that I that I heard were like really great, just like strategy games or ones that are just fun and like mind free. Learning a new game together and like playing it, like that's kind of fun, right? Like I like oh. loved board games and like all that kind of stuff when I was younger, and we play a bunch of different ones with our kids. So even just playing cards or something with your spouse, like we like doing that with other couples, can be really fun. Course. Yeah, I when, actually came yeah. across a new game. Oh my gosh. If you like, like I'm, I love true crime stuff. Yeah. Um, I cannot remember what it's called and I feel like it's different versions of it, but basically you're like an investigator. So it gives you like, it actually looks like a legit evidence packet, right? You have like your folder, you have all the evidence, you have like, you know, newspaper clippings and photos, just like a real like folder of evidence. You have to figure out like, how to put the clues together, together with whoever you're playing with, your partner or whoever. And it's really, really fun and it's interactive and that could be something really cool. And especially depending on the difficulty level, that could be something that can keep you guys hooked and interested. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun, but you also have to work together. Yeah. So. No, that's a good idea. Yeah. I like that. That's awesome. Okay. Let's see here. Ooh, how do I know if we need to start couples therapy? I like that one too. So I think there's no wrong time. There's just no wrong time to go to couples therapy. I think individual therapy and couples therapy should be a, a thing, right? For everyone at any phase of your relationship, no matter if you've gone before, if you've never gone, if you don't think you need to go, just go kind of like a tune up, just go, right? It doesn't need to be your marriage or your relationship does not need to be falling apart because actually uh, I can't quote the percentage, but there's a high percentage of people that go into therapy when their relationship is falling apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not that it's too late, but it's so much harder to kind of bring back and to kind of, you know, forgive the betrayal or the, the hurt and the pain that has happened that has led to this point as opposed to coming in a little earlier when you feel that, okay, this is a, this is a pattern or this feels a little uncomfortable. Let's, let's kind of like sort through this because we don't really have the tools to do that, but it can even be when things are going super well too in the honeymoon phase, it could be at any point. Yeah. I think it's because of just like the stigma around mental health in general, you know, like it's like, well, I don't need to do any of that because I'm fine. Like, I don't feel like I need that right now. You know what I mean? And like you said, I I think every single person could benefit from 
talking with someone else, right? Especially someone else who knows nothing about you and knows nothing about your partner and knows nothing about your life and seeing it from that outside perspective. I mean, there's nothing else quite like that, you know? And oh, yeah. yeah, just like, you know, so important to do that. Like I started going to, took forever and I don't know why, but like just individual therapy and, you know, like anxiety and stress and, you know, motherhood and everything, life. And I was like, why? First of all, why? I felt like there was always like, like this negative connotation. Like it, it's people always talked about it like more in like a negative way. I feel like now though, like in the recent like months, years, it's kind of getting a lot more exposure, Acceptable. right? Yeah. yeah. And people are like, yeah. no, this is ridiculous. Like, I mean, I, so as a PA, like I, you know, work in psych and see psych patients all the time. And I can honestly say like, and my husband's in in medicine as well. Like we talk about all the time, like we're like, all of us, all of us have one of these or multiple of these diagnoses, right? Like psych diagnoses. (laughs) And we're always like on this, you know, this like line of like, okay, this is where I would need treatment. And this Mm -hmm, is where mm -hmm. I'm able to handle it. Do you know what I'm saying? And dependent on what is happening in our life at that very given moment depends where we are on that line. So like none of us are free from any of these, you know, you know, these, you know, quote, psychiatric, you know, illnesses and things like that. We are all on that line and we're all teetering depending on where we are in our life. And some of us require medication, some of us don't. And that might be for multiple different reasons, but it's so true. And to kind of like take away that stigma of like, this is like a negative thing. Like, I just feel like talking about it in a way that's like, no, like we are all on that line, (laughs) you know, Uh, we all need support. And I feel like if we were to do that, there'd probably be a lot less people that get to that, you know, their, their bottom line or their like rock bottom, you know, because we're managing it and we're talking about it and we're not like putting it in the back closet to talk about 10 years later (laughs) when we're like inundated with like so many horrible things happening or what have you. But yeah, so totally, I totally agree. That's like everybody could benefit from it. All right, let's see here. Ooh, dividing household duties always seems to be an issue for us. How can I bring this up in a way that doesn't become defensive? I like that too. That is actually a, a really good, a really good question because again, a lot of times the responsibility falls on us. And I'm assuming that this person is in a heteronormative relationship, but a way to bring it up to not seem nagging or to start an argument, I always, always encourage just to like kind of read the room, right? Of course, you don't want to bring it up when, you know, he or she is stressed out or, you know, just getting home or rushing out for work or whatever it is, right? Just making sure that they're calm and opening up the space so that they don't feel like they have to arm themselves. So they don't have to feel like they have to be on the defensive, right? So it's all about how you use language, tone, body language, all of that. But it is really important to split and it may not always feel fair or, you know, it it could feel one-sided at times, especially depending on what's going on at home or with the two individuals, but split it where it kind of feels kind of fair, right? So that it doesn't feel so heavy and express that, 
right? Express that to your partner and just be open to hearing as opposed to just, you know, Hey, like I need some help. I'm, I'm really overwhelmed. It's well, like, how do you think things are going? And that's actually one of my check-in questions is, you know, something along the lines of how do you think we split our shares for, for, for the household or to just maintain the household or the kids and just see where they're coming from, right? Just, just kind of hear them as opposed to dumping on them and, like you mentioned earlier, just kind of like just telling you what to do. Like you need to do this. I already do X, Y, and Z. Can't you just do that? You know, just kind of bring it up in a way of just hearing because a lot of our conversations or our communication should be to communicate for clarity and understanding, not just to get my point across because I have to be heard and you have to agree with me, but more so if I want you to understand me, I have to at least take some steps to understand you, even though we may not agree. Let's start with that. And then we could get to the point of actually divvying things up. But then I think it also goes back to what these gender roles or what we see our roles being in our household or within our relationship. Because if I only saw, you know, growing up that my dad did X and my mom did Y, then I'm always going to want to do Y. And I think you're always going to do X because that's what I, that was my norm. That's what, that's what it's supposed to be. But when they're not in alignment and when it starts causing issues, then that's, I mean, it should always be talked about, but that's especially why you need to talk about it so that it doesn't become an issue. And of course things shift too. So as things happen, things may shift, but again, open and honest communication, but in order for him to hear you, you definitely want to bring it up and kind of ease it into the conversation, not to be manipulative, but to be emotionally intelligent so that he would hear you, or at least your attempts to be heard could be met in kind. Yeah. Yeah. I like that because I feel like, you know, if... (laughs) When you want to talk about these things, it's always when you're like hot and heated in the moment and like feeling overwhelmed. And so immediately from there, you're just like in a rage and like already coming across probably really defensive, right? Like, I mean, this happens to me all the time where I'm like all of a sudden everything, it's like the straw that broke the camel's back. And then I bring it up right then and it's just a disaster. (laughs) And so as hard as it, it is, like just saying, you know what, like, I'm going to bottle this up and put it onto the docket for, you know, this weekend when we have time to sit down and talk about this. And when you do that, you're going to be in a different place. Like, obviously, when you're in that moment, you're like, like, you're just so mad and you're not going to come across in that in, in a great way. And when you just take that time and that space, yeah, you'll probably still be upset about it. But the way that you're coming across is 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 most likely going to be different, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Let's do one more. Okay. This is kind of like a two part question. When a lull, when is a lull in sex life a cause for concern? And how do I get back in a groove when I'm exhausted from being with the kids and doing all of the household chores all of the time? Mm. I like that one too. I feel like every mother is like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We see you and we hear you. (laughs) Yes, 100%. So 
at any point in our relationship, we are never going to be on the same wavelength, right? Like we're not always going to have the same level of sexual desire or libido that just throw that out the window. We're never going to be that same level. Yours might be higher. Mine might be lower and that's okay. I mean, if both people tend to match up, that's fine too. But for the most part, it's going to be different, especially as things happen. You have a kid, one person's, you know, desire or libido libido might be different. It might shift, especially if you're with the kids all day and you're just exhausted. So in order to kind of get that spark back, especially if you may have the desire, but you just lack the energy, perhaps like you, you want it, but you know, I'm with the kids all day. I'm tired. So having that intentional me, we, and us time. So of course, you know, during the week, it might be a little busy. It might be, you know, harder during the week to set up that time, but maybe on the weekends for your family, for your relationship, it might work out a little bit better where you can have a few hours to, you know, dedicate to those three areas, the me, we, and us, because that me and we time is so crucial because like we talked about earlier, like just that time to connect, because of course, all day we're talking, we're, we're, we're talking about the kids. We're talking about what's for dinner and grocery shopping and who's coming to fix what, right? Something broke, you know, but we're not talking about us really. We're not really focused on the other person. We're just trying to keep, you know, keep our household running and keep the kids alive. But when we have that dedicated time, do just unplug. Do not, you know, do not be on your phone. Do not talk about the kids. Do not talk about the household stuff. Really talk about, be interested in each other and in your relationship. And some couples, they, they get to a point where that's actually hard. Like they'll just mm-hmm. be sitting there like, I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> what is there? What is there? Right. <laughs> that's when you can use those cards to prompt you, right? Yeah. Uh, those questions. Yeah. 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 I like that. Okay. So let's see. Anything else before we conclude? I'm going to ask you two random questions, but they don't have anything to do with the topic. Just my book is now. Oh, let's talk about your book. That yeah. was released last month, wasn't it? Yes. Yep. I'll link, definitely link to it in the show notes. Yeah. So it is called Love and Other Stuff, the No Bullshit Guide to Relationships When Love Isn't Enough. And I love, love this book, not only because I wrote it, but because it is really a helpful tool for people, couples, for relationship coaches, therapists, whoever to use with their clients or in their relationship, give it to a friend. It has so many useful tools on those different levels of intimacy on communication, our attachment styles, and how that impacts intimacy in our relationship with one another. And I always say this and anywhere that I go, my favorite part of the book is the affirmations because I personally use affirmations in my daily life. So it's a whole chapter in the end dedicated to affirmations for your relationship. Oh, and like to say to your partner? To say to your partner, to oh. say to yourself. And Actually, it's it's lengthy in the sense that it's technically one whole page. And so that page of affirmations can actually be broken down into several different ones. And every affirmation ends with three self-reflection prompts to think about. And so I really like that because 
that's one of the ways that we can shift how we view our relationship and view our partner just by, just like we would do affirmations for our self care. We can do them for our relationship. So that's one of my favorite parts of the book and it is available now, Amazon, Amazon Kindle, and my website, drdarylejohnson.com. Awesome. And I'll, I'll be sure to link those into the show notes too, so that people can see them. Okay, so two quick questions for you. So the first question is, if you could give advice to mothers, just one piece of advice, like your ultimate number one piece of advice for moms, what would it be? Oh, just one. Oh my gosh. Hmm. My one piece of advice for moms is to always take care of yourself. And whatever that means for you, whether that's that social connection, whether it is, you know, whatever you want to do to make yourself feel good, whether it's the massages and pedicures or just me time, girl time, whatever it is, take care of that because we have so much to do and that, you know, so much on our shoulders that sometimes we just need to focus on us. Mm-hmm. I know. And then focus on you the mom guilt when it comes to stuff like that is, is so it's so harsh. And then when you really like think about it and like, look at it from like a bigger, broader view, like you're doing like the mom stuff and the work stuff and like the big adult stuff 24 seven, you know? And it's like you taking that two hours out of your month (laughs) to go do X, Y, or Z like is, is nothing. And it, but it is, it it can be so hard to do, you know? And do you usually recommend, like, what do you usually recommend? Do you recommend like doing something daily or weekly or monthly, or what do you recommend? All of it. You can, you can do it all. And something smaller, obviously, if you're going to be doing it daily, right? Something daily could be, I'll wake up 10 minutes before anyone else or before everything starts to get hectic. I'll have an extra like 10 minutes of like silence or quietness to myself. Right. And yeah, so like daily, it could be something like that. Or, you know, while I do have maybe an hour of downtime in between cooking or picking up the kids or whatever responsibility I have, you know, that day, I'm going to do whatever I need to do, like just to chill, just to sit or take a walk. It was beautiful outside in the DMV area. So something. Right. And then of course, on a weekly or monthly basis, it or uh, bi-weekly or monthly basis, it could be something that you kind of splurge on. So if it's just a, a small, you know, um, one hour massage, or if you do like an entire spa day, or just something that you enjoy, it doesn't even have to be the spa. I'm just saying the spa because I love the spa, but it could be it's just anything you could learn how to like, you go to a cooking class or, you know, a ceramics class or something like that. Just pick up on something that you actually enjoy doing that's that nourishes you. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if you're like, like, if you're like, I don't really know what to do, like even like picking a new hobby can be really, really fun. Like I feel like you're exercising your brain a different way and it gets you like more inspired and creative. Like, like if you're just like, okay, you know what I want to, I had someone who sent me a, a message recently who was like, you know, thank you so much for suggesting like taking a break from social media. I didn't know how much I would love woodworking. She's like, I don't know why I even started doing it, but I just started like learning how to like, she goes, I built my own table, (laughs) you 
you know, like, you know, but there's just like, like you said, like just looking and seeing like what classes around you that are available, like it might be really cool to like get involved with that. And then of course, like there's probably classes that happen like once a week or once a month that you can go to and that can be like your thing, you know, and get a couple girlfriends, go together, make it a thing. Um, Yeah. Okay. So the second question is, if you could make one meal for your family that everyone would eat, that's relatively quick and easy, what would it be? That's easy. I love tacos. (laughs) What kind of tacos? Like, what do you? So I did two kinds of tacos. I do shrimp tacos and ground turkey. So Mm -hmm. it's just, you just do the ground turkey Mm -hmm. and that's it. Like you have your shells and your lettuce, get that pre-chopped already. So you're not doing a whole lot of chopping up the mm-hmm. tomatoes. Yeah. Like that's easy. So are you, do you do the hard crunchy shells? Or are you, see, I'm like, so my husband likes the hard crunchy shell situation and I'm like more of like a fajita, like the soft fajita <laughs> yeah. type of thing. And like, both. yeah, both. Yeah. My kids yeah. are like, it kind of depends on their mood, but like they usually like the crunchy too. But have you ever been to Taco Bell and they have like a crunch wrap? So is it like the Crunchy Wrap Supreme or whatever? Or is that a different place that I'm thinking of? I don't know. Um, so it's a hard, so it's like a, a just a hard shell, like just a flat shell, and it's wrapped in the soft taco. Oh. So it's like the best of both worlds. Well, there's a ton of recipes on like, you know, like the, uh, there's like these crunchy wrap supreme, like, you know, copycat type of recipes out there. Oh, oh, yeah. They have, we tried one recently that was phenomenal. I can't remember exactly what the name of the recipe was. It was like a couple months ago now, but essentially kind of the same thing. Although I don't think it had, I think it was like soft, like fajita type shell, but like you kind of like cooked it so it became crunchy you know what I mean mm, but it was yeah. like the way that you folded it was like super interesting like there's like this weird like you cut it halfway and then you put your you put all your ingredients so you have like your cheese or your chicken whatever you choose and like you have it in each corner of the fajita does that make sense and then you kind of like fold it all together I don't know it's like it's like crazy when you watch it like there's like I think there was like a TikTok video of it like when I was on social media like I had seen I was like this is the coolest thing ever <laughs> it sounds like oh uh, yeah I know it's delicious I mean how can tacos be not be delicious you know but anywho well thank you so much Dr. Dale for taking the time out of your busy day to talk with us about how to rejuvenate our relationships it was great to have you here of course thank you so much for having me Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to Motherhood Meets Medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug, unwind, and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.